You're listening to WNHH Community Radio, 103.5 FM in New Haven. This is A Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Life as a chef generally revolves around cooking up food shoulder to shoulder in the kitchen and dishing out meals to people sitting in intimate spaces together. At this moment, though, in the middle of a global pandemic, the usual business of working as a chef is just not possible. It's no secret that the restaurant industry and hospitality industry has been devastated by the economic shutdown. However, not everyone in the industry is feeling it the same way. From undocumented workers not receiving unemployment or stimulus checks, to prep cooks on unemployment, independent restaurant owners, or large corporate restaurant chains, the pandemic has heightened the many deep-rooted injustices in our society and throughout our food system. In the midst of all of this are chefs who find joy and purpose through cooking and long to get back to the business of making a living and building community around food. Today's guests are three chefs, each working in a different part of the food industry and each having a different experience of the COVID-19 shutdown. We're joined by Chef Avi Shapiro of Roya Restaurant in New Haven, Chef Raquel Rivera of A Pinch of Salt Culinary Education and Catering Company in Bridgeport, and Chef Aaron Lee of Yale University Dining and his personal business, Heartfelt Catering. I want to give my sincere apologies for the audio quality in parts of this episode, which unfortunately was recorded on Zoom and not in person. We cleaned it up as best we could and hope you can still hang tight for this engaging and important conversation. Welcome, everybody. So good to have you all. Avi, we're going to start with you. Are you there? Here. All right, great. So you're originally from Bogota, Colombia, and you've cooked in many places around the world. And in 2013, you opened Roya Restaurant in New Haven, fine dining restaurant together with your wife, Mira. And I happen to know that you spent a lot of time renovating this restaurant, living upstairs from it for years while you were kind of pouring your heart and love into building this restaurant. And have been going strong for a bunch of years. And then a few months ago, you had to shut your doors. Can you give us a snapshot of what happened when you decided to close your restaurant at the start of this shutdown? So uh, what happened? Well, heartbreak happened. That was the first thing that happened. Because you have to lay off the team that you've been working with for so long. That was probably the hardest thing I had to do. Knowing that if I didn't do that, there was no way that we would stand a chance of survival. So that was the beginning of it. Mm, yeah. It, it took a little bit of time to really kind of land and see, okay, well, what's next? What do I want to do? It was very complex, I'm going to say. Moving from, okay, we've laid everybody off to how do we start putting something together? How do we also ensure that everybody's safe and protected? Because I think that at that time, my biggest concern is safety and health of everybody. Yeah, Our absolutely. Guests. And there was not a lot of great guidance, quite honestly. I mean, there was a period of a week, I'm going to say, until the governor stepped in, that it was very much up to whatever federal was saying, which was not much, and then very little guidance. So you had to make your own decisions. There was a lot of uncertainty during that week. Can you tell me a little bit just about how your workers are doing? How have you been keeping in contact with them and how are people holding up? I think that there's a variety of different responses across the board. I don't think that there's 
one size fit all. I've heard for, from some of the people in the team that are they're actually very happy right now in the sense that they've had time for themselves and things and doing projects that they've never had time for before. Not that the uncertainty is not there, but they're making the most out of this time. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, there's others that have had serious issues with depression and some that, you know, how do they take care of their families? Kids now being at home, mom of three, which to say the least is probably the hardest job of all. There's a variety of flavors, I would say, and emotions across the board. And we are offering family meal for all employees. So you're cooking and delivering food to them? or So within the industry on Thursdays, we do what it's called family meal. For any unemployed restaurant workers, we provide 100 meals and people can come and pick up for a certain time. So there's a time period. And, and so we, we have a text chain that we send everybody in our team. And we've been lucky to connect that way with some members, those who want to come and on a weekly basis. And so that's been good. And that's then, really sweet. Right, who is cooking that food? We are. There's four participating restaurants across Connecticut, including Millwrights, Rico, and Flanders Fish, and us in New Haven. And so we rotate the days, and then we have people from you know all restaurants in New Haven. They come down and they pick up. We did comfy duck the other day with potato gratin and sauteed greens, and we've done tacos and. Just morale booster, really, Yeah. more than anything else. Are you like cooking with masks on and cooking far apart in the kitchen? How are you doing that? Yeah, that's exactly how we're doing it. Masks, gloves. We have a little routine on when you come in to work. You sanitize hands first and then pull everything out of your pockets, including your if you're wearing glasses, you sanitize those. So anything that you might have touched before you came in, you sanitize. We've been using plastic now more than ever, ever, ever before, which it's not ideal. But I mean, we go through so much gloves and we go through so much wipes at this point. We have sanitized wipes in station and in various different places in the kitchen. That's the deal. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to come back to you to hear a lot more about what's going on there. But I want to... Um, introduce folks to Chef Raquel Rivera from A Pinch of Salt. And Raquel has a culinary training program as well as catering company in Bridgeport. And Raquel, I know that you train a number of folks who then become your employees through your catering company. And you also mentor a number of food entrepreneurs, many of whom are black and brown folks. And I'm wondering if you can just share a little bit about how is this shutdown impacting your work and also your students slash employees? So it definitely has postponed a lot of events, but it also taught us to be very flexible and kind of open to ideas that weren't necessarily the first thing on board. For instance, a Mother's Day, catering a Mother's Day event for mothers who've had someone in their household go to prison. So this is with Project Longevity. So it's really cool to kind of do this type of activity. But It was supposed to be all of us coming together, eating and kind of, you know, breaking bread. And that's turning a little differently. So we're still going to do the same thing in sense of getting together. But what we're going to do is preparing meals off site in the kitchen. Same thing with the sanitary, you know, keeping up with all of that, but bagging them, you know, 
containers, again, plastic being used a lot more than what we would like, but everyone's going to get their meal kind of already sealed up and ready to go and they'll be delivered. And then we're going to Zoom and get all the moms on board to kind of like have our discussion that way. So it's, it's unfortunate in a lot of ways, but it's been really amazing in some of the ways that people are now realizing that this is the new norm and kind of thinking about, well, how do we still do what we love in a way that is still safe and allows us to kind of get that out there? Are most of your catering jobs, I assume, are canceled, yeah? Yeah, yeah okay. they're or postponed in like fall and hopefully winter, you know, kind of moving things around. And so what are you doing for income? How are you surviving? <laughs> uh, fortunately, I put away some funds, but mostly it's just... There's some things trickling in now where I'll be doing some virtual cooking classes with the Lighthouse program. There's a couple of companies who want to do wellness programming still for their employees. It'll be interesting to kind of see all this Zoom and all of this come to action to actually, you know, connect with people in the food way. Yeah. Yeah. And how are your students and some of the food entrepreneurs that you mentor doing? Funny enough, it's similar to what he said. I mean, we're all across the board. You know, at the end of the day, we all miss being in the kitchen in real life form. We wish we were earning what we were accustomed to kind of earning. You know, it's important. It's our livelihood. But we're learning, again, their flexibility. So some of the students have taken on to freezing some of their product and mailing them, which is pretty cool in terms of how to now take a product and spread it a little bit further. I think of like Days Angry Hot Sauce, who's done mailing things, but then even Betsy's Empanadas, sending them all frozen and kind of working with stuff like that. So it's been really cool. Jalissa has started private chefing, which is great to kind of have them still doing things, maybe not as that focal point as it once was, but still keeping it on the side in in the meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see the cool. entrepreneurial spirit kind of kicking yeah. in and figure out other ways to do stuff. Yeah, yep. that's great. Cool. We'll hear more about that as well. Um, I also want to introduce Mr. Aaron Lee, who's a unionized chef at Yale University Dining and who also runs a catering company, Heartfelt Catering. Aaron, you were on our show before. We had a great discussion about your experience as, as an African-American chef in the kitchen. You cook in Connecticut, you cook in New York, and you also have this safety net of being a unionized chef at Yale University at a big institution, which is certainly not the norm for chefs. But I'm wondering if you can explain a little what are the realities of this shutdown for you on your work, both at Yale and for your catering business? Well, starting with Yale, um, I've kind of been fortunate because I do have a union. We've been protected and I've been getting paid throughout this whole process week. So um, I'm very fortunate for that. Very blessed. And with the catering business, like small time, so I'm kind of mobile. I don't have an exact event So it's kind of like no harm, no foul. If the event doesn't come through, I didn't really lose much because usually I'm using some of them put into the event. So I'm fortunate for that to kind of just understand still. I did have to be lined up, but get postponed. So um, right now I've just been at home, man, trying to be innovative and think of new ways to uh, stay relevant. Because uh, this is what this time has given us now. It's like, wow, like it just kind of shut down out of nowhere. And then it's like, it's going busy, it's fast, you're loving what you do. And then now it's like, boom. So now it's like, all right, now you have to figure out how can I still make money? I still got to survive. Life goes on. You, know? so you have to figure out innovative ways to get creative. Um, with me being mobile, I have been fortunate. Like, sometimes I can rent a kitchen or sometimes 
do it right at, right at home. Like a lot of the times now I'm noticing that, you know, people don't mind. You come right home and set up. Sometimes people have nice places, they have a good, great kitchen. So it works. And um, I just been grinding like that, just figuring it out, being mobile. Like, how can I make this happen? Or right. That's kind of why I do vegan a lot too, because some of the things aren't as temperature, taste control, like, you know, so. Aaron, I want to back you up for a sec. So you sort of glossed over the fact that you're getting paid your full salary right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Not, let's just yeah. talk about that for a second. So okay. so did that happen from day one when the university shut down? Yeah, I haven't missed a check or a payment since the uh, university wow. shut down. So I'm very fortunate for that. The union has been very proactive and they really stepped up in a major way. So shout out to Taisha, shout out to Bob, shout out to Corey. And uh, shout out to everybody. If I'm missing anybody's name, shout out to the union for really stepping up and really uh, taking charge and just being proactive for us. And, I mean, every couple of weeks we're getting a text, getting an update on what's going on, letting us know if we're going to be going back um, and what's going to be the process to going back. Um, as of right now, we're supposed to be out until June. We haven't had any more updates. As we know, the governor has already said that he doesn't plan to open the university back to the fall. So with that, in the summer, really don't have a lot of work for the chefs because the students are gone anyway. So. Right. I guess that's what they are trying to figure out if we do go back to work, where would they put us? But as of right now, I know I haven't missed one payment. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely fortunate. And I'm blessed. Now, I didn't want to gloss over that, but I know that there's so many people going through it, you know, and I feel for people. And I really wanted to make it like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just, it's all good. Like, you know, because it's not, you know, so. Um, right. I'm blessed. I'm definitely fortunate and not taking it for granted. And um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I kind of been, I haven't gone full blown because I'm like, you know, you never know what can happen. So I guess, you know. So a timing. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from the three of you about, you know, right now, a lot of people are depending on different social safety nets, even though they're uh, most of them are not so great in our country. But whether it's unemployment or if you're fortunate to be part of a union or, you know, other kinds of things, what can you share about your own experience or about your workers or employees regarding how these programs are working for people? I think that for the first time in a long time, unemployment has actually supported people. And uh, there's one thing about this whole stimulus plan that I think it's the most successful part of it. And there's glitches. There's no question about it. There's a lot of people that have not been able to claim unemployment for whatever reason, especially undocumented and so forth and so on. But for the people that have received the support of unemployment, I think it's been critical. And it's been super beneficial for their own well-being. So people that are getting unemployment are claiming, you know, a third of what they were making and they're receiving an additional $600 from the government. So I think that that's huge. There's implications to that uh, in other ways for owner-operators, especially when there's other programs like the payroll protection program, right. which actually it really pins owners against team members in a non very subtle way. Because at this point, many of my employees are making more money on unemployment than if I bring them back. And so, how do you tell somebody, hey, you know, I'd like you back, or can you come back? But they're making more money. And so, it's understandable. But for some yeah, the extra six hundred that they gave really made a difference because they're not just getting a portion of their paycheck; they're really getting a substantial amount of money more, which is what people should be getting. <laughs> yeah, without a, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. But on the other hand, I mean, the counter of that is that you're participating in the payroll protection program. You gotta 
there's a certain time frame by which you gotta utilize the relief, right? You gotta bring people back in right. from unemployment, you gotta pay them. And in many cases, even if you pay them at the same rate that you were paying them when you laid them off, you're not gonna be able to pay them as much as what they're getting now in some instances. So I feel like the government really did not think that very well. And then on top of that, you have the people who are essential workers, people in the supermarkets or even restaurant workers or the public transportation drivers, the bus drivers or truckers that are there out there helping keeping things together and they're getting shit. Here they are, the people that are actually keeping us safe and making it happen. The people in the post office, I mean, they should be getting a bonus for doing this, right? So it's not perfect. I do think that the government is trying. I think restaurants have been really, they have not taken care of us. We're the hardest hit. We represent 60% of the unemployment in the country. In the last version of the payroll protection program, we only received 9% of that money. It's just utterly ridiculous in that sense. So, we need champions in Washington for, for the restaurant industry. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of this points to what is really broken in our food system because minimum wage has not increased with inflation for like over 50 years, really. And even with the like $15 an hour campaign, that's still not actually a real livable wage. And everything that goes into making a restaurant, the economics of it are really out of balance for what the true cost of things are. So I think it is really part of a larger, really out of balance. Well, we were already of, on yeah. thin ice before this happened. Uh, mm -hmm. If they were to make the payroll sorry, protection program work better and workers were able to stay on unemployment until you were actually ready, what else do you need those costs for? Because I know that the majority of those programs are supposed to pay for workers, but you have a ton of other expenses like your rent and utilities and other things that you have to keep paying for. How could that program be structured so that workers could stay on unemployment until you're actually ready to open the restaurant? and still sustain and support the restaurant? Well, I think that the time frame by which you need to use the money, I mean, there's 75% of that money needs to go to payroll. 25% goes into utilities and rent, right? In most cases, with that amount, you don't afford rent. It's for an eight-week period of time where you are not necessarily generating revenue. So, or you're generating minorly revenue. For example, Mother's Day, you compare Mother's Day, we have a large space, we do a lot of events. Mother's Day for us, we did really well on the takeout curbside, really well, parenthesis, right? But we made maybe 10% of what we would make normally. So when you're not generating revenue and you, you're paying the full amount of what you were having in your payroll prior, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for the restaurant. So if we could extend that period of time, to say three more months, and you can use that at your own discretion during that time, then probably revenue will start coming in as things open up and it will really benefit you as a restaurant. I understand the, the idea of this is really to bring people out of unemployment, but for the restaurant livelihood, you're paying with this month, you're paying last month's bill. So just that. The influx of cash is shut completely. And whatever you're scraping and making, you're paying last month's bill, which came at full throttle. 
So right. your cash flow now is non-existent. So yeah. I think just like they focused on the airlines and the cruises and they targeted a very specific stimulus plan for airlines and cruises, same thing should happen to restaurants. Yeah. I mean, I think some of those things were in there because they wanted to make sure this time around compared to 2008 that the money was going to workers and not getting in the pockets of big business owners. But it sounds like they really should have had restaurant industry folks and independent business owners at the table. You know, they often leave the people who really know what's going on out of actually crafting the legislation uh, so that it could actually have been effective. I just want to let people know you're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM in New Haven. This is the Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel, and we are talking to three chefs with three different perspectives on the COVID-19 shutdown. I want to turn to Aaron for a minute. Aaron, I know that your dad is also a chef, and I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to either your dad or other chefs in your circles and, and sort of how their experience has been and what you're observing kind of among your community, whether it's within the Black community or the chef community or, or other folks. My dad, yeah, he's a chef at a nice popular restaurant on North Haven off of State Street. It's called J. Rules Restaurant. Uh, he's he's a very good chef. Uh, he runs a very tight ship. I worked there for a few days, so I seen like it's very nice. It's a nice kitchen, and everything. But I think his biggest problem was just his safety. Worried about his employee safety and worried about if somebody does get exposed there, how would they go about you know trying to still operate a restaurant and still practice being safe. So I think that was his biggest thing, just worried about his employee safety and um. But, you know, the employees were down to work because, like Raquel said, like I'll be saying, like with the wages being as they are, people don't have an option but to still get up and work. It's not like, you know, most people live in check to check or if they have some things saved up, then, you know, they're doing the best they can. But people still were down to work. So you got to find a balance of how do we still produce and be productive, but be safe at the same time. So just from talking to him, that was his biggest thing, like showing them, like, yeah, we got to work. But, you know, I still want to show my employees that I care, you know. I still want to so do they're, they're still open right now? Yeah, they're still open. They're doing takeout just like other okay. normal restaurants. But yeah, they did shut down for, I think, a week or so. But they got things back up and running. So but they seem to be doing well now. So Wow. Yeah, All but right. as far as like we speaking on the Black community, I think that uh, we just need to be more proactive about what's going on. And this is why, as far as hard for catering, I try to take the direction that I'm taking because I feel like one of the biggest things that we're suffering from is our diets. And that also adds into why we may be susceptible to this disease because of how we eat. I feel like if we would be more proactive about the things we put on our body, yeah, the disease is not presentable. I mean, still, but at the same time, I feel like we could be trying to eat better and do better to build our immune systems and make us stronger so that we'd be able to be more capable of fighting off disease. As yeah, well. I know I've been watching you, like, part of why I reached out to you, because I was seeing you post all these pictures of cooking all these fancy meals. And I was like, who are you cooking for? Are you doing catering through the shutdown? And you well, said, no, what- I'm just cooking. Cooking for myself. So tell us a little about what you've been doing. I mean, you have the good fortune of having an income right now. And uh, tell us what you've been doing in the kitchen. Just trying to step my game up as far as sauces, as far as uh, plating and doing more gourmet styles, getting more creative and getting more in touch with different styles of cooking. And when I first started, it was just me doing things that I love to do and things that I may be good at. But now I want to try to take things to the next level and really tap into what fine dining and cooking is. And I want to be able to get to the goal, like what Ivy is doing, like what Raquel is doing. That is my goal, hopefully down the line. So, you know, I'm just trying to push myself to get to that level. So while I'm home and I do have extra time, hey, let me try to work on some plating skills. Let me try to look into some different sauces and unique things to take my brand to the next level. So I think that's the biggest thing why I've been trying to do, like show private dinners or just plating skills, you know. And are you sharing your food with people? 
you know, really just my kids or whoever is here, but for the most part, I just been <laughs> home. So I'm really just been my own critic, you know? But I guess yeah. you need critic, right? So that's <laughs> the thing. Just trying to constantly better myself on here and get more proactive online and use it online because people are making millions of dollars online, man, you know? So how can I incorporate <laughs> my brand to what's going on online? I guess this is what this time has given us to do. Just think about more innovative ways to make money and generate revenue, so. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I'm glad you're feeling some positivity from this. Also, I just wanted to, you know, when we spoke about the, um, as far as why do we feel like we're not taking this serious? And I just feel like, you know, we were speaking about the trauma of us always having to deal with a certain situation, deal with, you know, what's going on in the community and always having to make light of things just to get through some of our uh, pain. So I just want to touch on that too. Like, you know, we all suffering, we all going through things, but we got to try to step up as a community to really like, focus on what's important. Got to start having more you know and we gotta start realizing that this is real man you know if we don't start having unity and start sticking together man what's gonna happen to us a lot of us don't have control of what's going on with our insurance our health we don't really even know what's going on in these hospitals so i feel like we got to be more responsible we got to step up to the plate and start taking control of ourselves and our bodies and we got to start really on i really respect what's going on and even with uh immigration i really respect how the Hispanic community has set up for each other you know they ride with each other and they support and they out here. We, we, I really admire that. And but like, we need to start doing that together too. We need to start stepping up and being stronger and really being proactive about what's going on in the community and stop letting the trauma get, you know, even though it's been a system, I really feel like it's time for us to really like see what's going on and, uh, you know, push the culture forward. And that's what we're going to do hard for catering. That's what I'm going to push the healthy uh, living, healthy lifestyle. And, However, I can help out and be a part of that. However, I can work out with everybody else so we can all be together on this journey. So that's what I want to mm-hmm. say. Yeah, and you and I talked a lot about, like, not putting the blame on the people who are being harmed by the systems, but really, like, looking at that there are systems in place that for hundreds of years yeah. have harmed Black and brown people, Indigenous people, often working people. And so you have a good example of being part of the union because it shows yeah. you, like, how organizing and working together can actually um, yeah. Yeah. bring some support. So. Yeah, for sure. That's true. Raquel, do you want to step in? <laughs> I'm thinking about a lot of things. Uh, in terms of unemployment, for someone like me who is a one-person show, like I don't have a actual company, like a location or a restaurant that I necessarily represent. Yeah. So I know like when I was thinking about like, okay, what does unemployment look like for someone like me or my students who are, you know, just created an LLC, they're now establishing that. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now I'm no longer employed under a restaurant or I'm not employed under someone else. So how do I actually receive some benefits in some way? And so it was really cool to find out like there are things for small businesses in that capacity that is not taking out a loan. Because even when I saw taking out a loan, I was like, what good is taking out a loan? You know, if I'm struggling, I don't want to continue to struggle. You know what I'm saying? I want to make do with what I have or have some type of assistance. The thing I think that's that's pretty messed up about about how they did that is that the Paycheck Protection Program, they called it a loan, except that if you use it the way they're telling, like how Avi was describing, like 75% towards paychecks and 25% towards your rent and utilities and things, then it gets forgiven. But it's interesting when you talk about the cruises and the airlines, they just call that a bailout. Why were we not calling it a bailout for all these small businesses? Because I pay for this loan. And then I mean, Avi, maybe you can talk to this when Raquel is done, but the application process for this thing was like such a mess. But I'll let you finish <laughs> saying no, that. So I, 
No, so I've just been excited that some of my students were able to go for unemployment insurance, you know, just regularly. Um, I myself have looked into self-employment, but you had to get denied by unemployment and then you can take the federal type of unemployment insurance, if you will. So I'm waiting to hear back what that looks like. You wonder, there's so many people who get left out. We're not all cookie cutters. So, you know, we're in the same industry, but one size doesn't fit all, you know? So it was pretty interesting to kind of say, okay, well, what about me? What does that look Mm -hmm. like? And I'm glad things are now, you know, slowly trying to piece itself together. But just like the chef was saying, we definitely need more assistance with our restaurant work. There's so many of us, you know, and it's such a great platform for people to kind of get into, regardless to what your background and education is, right? It's been this like really accessible place that we can do it. And yet it's the one who's most hurt during this whole thing, which is pretty sucky. Yeah. Are you noticing people also struggling with depression and and feeling really isolated? Because I mean, chefs are used to working 24-7 and being busy. What are you noticing about that? When I think of my team, you know, there's that like overlap. There's always, you know, our business, our personal life kind of morphs into one because we're always in the kitchen together and we're working together in such a way. And there is this isolation where it's kind of like, not only what am I supposed to be doing? Cause we almost feel guilty, right? Like, what do I do with this time? What am I, you know, and then there's that feeling of disconnect. And I think we've done well in terms of the students kind of connecting, like we hit each other up, Hey chef, what you're doing? Or, you know, how is this? Cause it's necessary. We also FaceTime each other while we're in the kitchen just to kind of have that feel of like, you know, look at Jalissa cooking something down and Betsy, you know, or like Marsha has dropped me off some food, which has felt so comforting just to be able to eat something that I'm not creating myself. Cause you know, like, you, you know, it's fun yeah. to kind of try something new and kind of get some Haitian food on and stuff like that, you know? So it's been pretty awesome in terms of thinking about like, how do we still connect? But there's definitely a lot of missing going on. You know, we definitely yeah. miss kitchen. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I know, um, Avi, one of the things that you've been doing is connecting with other restaurant owners um, in New Haven and working on the Frontline Foods program and as well as the Family Meals program. Can you give us just like a quick snapshot of what you're doing with those programs? Sure. That was really the the outcome of not knowing what we were going to do and how we were going to survive. And immediately what I noticed is we naturally are helping the community. So it was, okay, the hospitals are going to need help and our, our people are going to need help, our people, meaning our industry. So I reached out to Jason Soposinski from Olmo and Duncan Goodall from Coffee Catering. And then we started just figuring out how we could help and putting together a group of people that then moved from three restaurants to seven restaurants and ended up being 22 restaurants providing over a thousand meals to the hospital every day. And the idea is that, I mean, you come together, just like Aaron was saying, there's a union, for a lack of a better word. So you team up with other restaurant owners and figure out how can we support the community and support ourselves in that process as well. We knew that restaurants are the heartbeat of most cities. You go to any city that is thriving, it has good restaurants. And so imagine walking down Chapel Street or College Street or downtown New Haven, and you start seeing shut down. Just empty storefronts. Empty storefronts. Yeah. Yeah. I know you had wanted to try to get meals out to folks 
who were struggling with hunger or who are homeless, were you able to coordinate getting some of the meals that the restaurants are cooking out to those folks? Yeah, so we're participating with an initiative from the city, something that we presented to the city about eight weeks ago that actually started about two weeks ago, and it's taking care of the homeless in New Haven. And then I secured a donation for kids, for families that are struggling. We got 2,000 meals donated from a company called Kid Fresh, who produces frozen foods for kids, which hides the vegetables inside the the (laughs) plastics. And so we're distributing that starting next Friday at two different schools. So I think that that's been really powerful at this time for me. How do you activate your own network to help the community? That's really been critical. Yeah, I've been so inspired because all around New Haven, there's been like incredible mutual aid work happening and people within different communities getting together to like get food. I've been helping with getting food out to undocumented folks. There's been people kind of organizing within the Black community through CT Core, getting food out through Common Ground School, farms. And then like a lot of the emergency food providers have been really well organized to be letting people know which food pantries and soup kitchens are open. And we have a really strong food community in New Haven. And while there's certainly a lot of people who are struggling, it's been inspiring to me, like how much cooperation and collaboration there's been to really try to meet the need. And unfortunately, the need is just so, so enormous in our community. What's the reality for you and, and what you know of some other restaurants? How long can you handle being shut down like this? It's funny that you asked that question. I was speaking with my mom this morning. She's in Colombia. I was in a hole this morning, which happens often these days. And then mm. I finally got myself out of the hole by just focusing on the things that support me personally, taking care of my own self, which I'm not by gonna- doing what? I was going to say, which I'm not going to go into that, but um, (laughs) a little exercising and meditation was very helpful to me. Mm. And I finally got myself out of it. And sometimes it's just hard to project what's going to come. Trying to stay both in the present moment as best as possible. And at the same time, you do have to look at the future and saying, okay, what's the game plan here? Can we pivot? And if so, how do we do it? Because the more that I think about it, this is really going to be the new normal for at least the next year or so. We do so many events like Raquel does. Forget the events. Events are done for the foreseeable future for parties of 150 people, uh, which we do a lot of weddings and we do a lot of events. We have a beautiful space. So we're looking, okay, how do we do that outdoors? Uh, And if so... We've been talking to so many of our couples and having a a dynamic conversation to see how can we support one another because it's a hugely important time for them. And at the same time, we don't want to do it in a way that it's unsafe for anybody. You don't want to invite your grandfather of 85 to an Mm -hmm. event that it's really out of pure joy when you're compromising somebody's health. I'm not sure if I answer the question, but... In, in that sense, looking at the future sometimes, I was reading an article that was saying light at the end of the tunnel or a train coming your way. And that's really it. Sometimes it's, I see the light at the end of the tunnel and sometimes a train at fast speed is coming my way. And some days are better than others. So it's like thinking, how do we pivot? How do we move forward? And uh, yeah. 
I think just keeping positive has been has been the the, the key there. Yeah. So I don't I don't have an answer really. What's going? I don't happen. think there is an answer. <laughs> I don't think there is an answer. But I think you know I think uh, Chunde Wei, has, who's a, a, an amazing chef, has written some pieces about is this the end of the restaurant industry? You know, like just talking about like the economic model and social model of the restaurant industry. And it's a hard question. And there's so many unknowns still in this moment. We're nearing the end of our time, but I want to just hear from each of you about reopening and kind of what, you know, our state is set to reopen, supposedly start to reopen in five days. Um, We still don't have testing for most people. Um, We don't have very accurate testing. I heard this morning it was high as like 48% false negatives on the rapid test, which is extremely concerning. What are you feeling, all of you, when would you feel safe to reopen and what would that look like? I definitely think we're jumping the gun a bit. I think there's still so much figuring out that needs to be done. And also what are our new norms? Like how are we really going to practice safely in ways that make sense and that everyone can do across the board, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. think that type of education has been provided for, you know, I mean, I think of a farmer's market, like this would be our farmer's market seasons. We're gearing up, you know, in a month or two to open up. Right. You know, when I think about what are the practices, like what do we expect from our customers? What do we expect from our farmers? What do we expect from all of us who are vendors at the farmer's market? Like what are those interactions that we're keeping each other safe? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, six feet, doing that, wearing gloves, wearing masks, but is that just really it? I think we're opening, but I wouldn't feel safe going out there and saying, okay, I got gloves on, I got a mask on, just go do it. I don't feel that that's enough to make me feel safe. So I think there's just going to be a learning curve that I'm not willing to take a chance in and get people together in any way and know that that falls on me, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm realizing, I thank you. And I'm realizing I have another question, Avi, before we go out. Um, you know, there's been a lot of issues with like sourcing food, like the meatpacking industry and unsafe working conditions and a lot of people getting sick. I'm wondering if you could just speak briefly about food sourcing from farms, from other purveyors and how you're feeling about this during that time. It's been a challenge for sure. The supply chain has been not super steady. I mean, it's heartbreaking to see or hear that they're killing animals because they don't have a way to move the product. So as a practical example, we ordered some particular cut of meat that we've been ordering for seven years. Steadily has risen, but then we ordered the other day and it was a third of the price higher of when we closed and then reopened. So Mm. it's pretty amazing how the price of food has gone up, but also the supply. I mean, we're ordering two days in advance now instead of the day before because you don't know if you're going to get the stuff. Mm -hmm is we're doing curbside pickup and people need to please order a two to pick up between four and seven. That has given us a little bit of more leeway. And I think that a lot of the people in the public, we've gotten somebody who was like outraged that how is it that you don't have this? And, and we're like, okay, A, it's, there's a global pandemic, first of all. So just check yourself. <laughs> just breathe, you know, like, yes. Be, be, um, helpful to one another at this point. Yeah. And then the other thing is that we not don't have the same control in the supply chain. So it has its own difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. So we are running short on time. Aaron, I just want to come back to you for one sec. 
I'm wondering, we just have a second, but uh, just to give you one more minute, do you have a, a special recipe that you think you could share with us? Just tell us what it might be. We can put it up on the website because I know you've been getting real creative in the kitchen. The last dish I did, it was actually, it was just a salad. So it was spinach and kale for the greens. And then for the uh, top, I had a, a crab cake with some plantains. And then mm. I had a, I had an orange ginger vinaigrette that I used for the dressing. Um, I also had an avocado with So that was the latest thing I did. Will you share these with us so we can put them up on the website? Yes. On the Table Underground? All right, good. So we'll grab some recipes from you. I know we jumped all over the place and and there's so much to talk about when it comes to food and the food system and restaurants. But I really am grateful to all of you for making time and sharing your perspective. And I will put links to Heartfelt Catering, to Roya Restaurant, and to A Pinch of Salt Catering up on thetableunderground.com. And just thank you all so much for joining me. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Lots of love, everyone.